morning, good morning. It's the Worker's Beat. I'm Gene Lance, and the beautiful redhead is not here today. We have a beautiful blonde instead. And what's your name? Rosie Kurtz. Rosie Kurtz. The great Rosie Kurtz from Young Active Labor Leaders is sitting in, taking Bonnie's place just for this one day. We like to start the Worker's Beat, which is always about everything from the point of view of working families. We like to start with things you can do. December the 31st is the deadline for candidates to return their questionnaires to the Dallas AFL-CO. If they want to get endorsed by labor, they got to get those questionnaires in on December 31st. January the 1st is the day that you are supposed to eat your black-eyed peas for good luck. And I would, because of the seriousness of the year, year coming up, I think you should eat tamales too. January the 2nd, seniors and disabled may imply for annual permit to vote by mail and i hope they will do it and i hope bonnie's listening that we are urging people to uh, apply for vote by mail so we'll get more people to vote in 2024 january 6th dallas labor begins screening candidates january the 10th 12 30 p.m dallas chapter of the texas alliance for retired americans meets at 334 center contact judy at 214-729-0063 january 15th martin luther king march and parade in dallas you can get in the kon contingent or you could get in labor's contingent january 17th the key decision on the merger of albertson's and kroger grocery stores the unions are dead set against it january the 18th at 7 30 p.m dallas central labor council for all affiliated members at 1408 north washington january the 19th is when you may expect a new crisis over a government shutdown that's things that are coming up I've been, I've been dying to get Rosie on the air because Rosie's part of the youth movement, the Young Active Labor Leaders. You're co-chair, right, Rosie? Yeah, I'm the co-chair of the DFW chapter of Young Active Labor Leaders with David Lowry as my other co-chair. What kind of things did y'all do during the recent strikes? Oh, man, there's so many strikes. <laughs> Which ones? Um, we showed up to support the SAG-AFTRA members in the DFW area at their rally. We've been showing, we showed up at the UAW picket lines in Carrollton. Every day just about. Yeah, Every yeah. We, we tried to have our, our, we had our monthly social there at the picket line one one time. Um, and of course we've been doing a lot for the uh, the various Starbuckses in DFW. We've been trying to support them as much as we can. Every, we had time, a, every time Starbucks gets ready to do something, y'all organize a big turnout for it. Yeah, and you know they had their um, what was it, the Red Red Cup Rebellion Day? I think it was November sixteenth. Mm-hmm. That's when the Starbucks releases their Red Cup, and we had three stores in DFW, one in Bartonville, two in Denton, that went on strike for that day. And we tried to support them and, you know, at other Starbucks locations as well, because that that's been a real growing movement in DFW. We've had, I think this year we went from like two to nine unionized Starbuckses in DFW. So that's that's on the move. So how's the Starbucks organizing going in North Texas? I, I mean, like I said, it, it, it exploded, and I'm really excited by the, the baristas there. We have, you know, several of them that are now very active members of y'all that are interested in the broader labor movement beyond just Starbucks. They've been coming out to other things, um, and they are keeping their eyes set on, on Starbucks organizing. They're not going away. They've We have one barista that organized his Starbucks and then got a internship with the union and has been working to organize other Starbuckses. And um, they're just, you know, this is what these young people are interested in. They, they Labor is something that impacts them directly and, and they can they can see see that that's where they can make an impact. In the, in the Dallas AFL-CIO, certainly the young active labor leaders, which is y'all, Best have actor. been leading the way in a new era of solidarity. We didn't used to have this much solidarity. And even now, most of the older members don't really react right away when there's a chance to do some solidarity action. But you guys do. And so we're all kind of following the young active labor leaders. Well, I do want to give credit that Tara always, you know, comes out to the sip-ins at Starbucks and comes out to things. We really rely on y'all because, um, 
you know, the retirees are really nice to have around to show out to things in the daytime when the young people still have work. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I think there's been a combination of, of young and old turnout. We got young and old today. And if you want to ask a question about the labor movement, young and old, call us at 972-647-1893. Good morning. Thanks for calling KNON. Yeah, good morning, Gene. Hi, you're on the air. Okay. I have, a, well, first of all, yeah, I have a, a comment and, and question, and, and then I'm going to hang up and get the answer. But uh, my comment, first of all, is about the uh, immigrant situation. Um, what is the solution? I think that, first of all, uh, there are two things. First of all, the U.S. government should do what it can to stabilize as opposed to destabilizing the, gov the government of uh, the neighbor. Uh -huh. Second of all, I think that um, <clears throat> a solution to the problem would be to put in prison all the employees of immigrants and thereby uh, stop the major reason for their migration. Uh huh. Okay. Now, I want to ask uh, your guest, um, what do you think, what is the uh, y'all uh, solution to the immigration problem? And I thank you for being there, and I'm going to hang up and listen. Good question, because I think they just they just passed a resolution or had a re had a discussion about a, a bill that was just passed in the state legislature. Yeah, actually, that that is timely. So we, you know, that Greg Abbott recently signed the bill, um, Senate the, bill the show me your papers kind of bill where mm -hmm. people can racially profile and. Um, we aren't com we haven't completed it yet, but yes, y'all is drafting a, a statement in that we're going to release uh, opposing that move. Um, I think that first of all, of course, we support the rights of all workers, and we don't think that any any human being is illegal, and everybody who's a human deserves to be able to work and be respected. And we know that there's a lot of um, undocumented workers that get mistreated and, and taken advantage of and threatened by their employers. We want to make sure that that, that that doesn't happen no matter what your your you know legal right to work is. Um, and of course, you know there's there's a huge intersection between labor and immigration because immigration immigrants you know a lot of times they they leave because of fear of the country that they're they're um, coming from but also for better opportunities and that comes from work and and the way that we treat labor in in our country and other countries and through free trade agreements etc we um that that incentivizes or disincentivizes um immigrants from coming mm -hmm. um as far as the solution i mean I'm kind of a, a radical on this. I kind of feel like there's no reason. And, and right now I'm, I'm speaking just for me, not for y'all. This isn't necessarily in our statement, but I find it absurd that where you're born, which no one ever has any control over, could impact, could decide how you can move around the globe. How you can live. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't seem fair. So I think that there needs to be a way to, you know, keep track of who's in the country but i don't really believe in you know banning people from being in the country just because they happen to have had the luck of being born somewhere else you think a lot of this stuff is just racist do you yeah. think the, the new bill here and here in texas is, is racist it's absolutely racist because they're you know uh law enforcement can just use it to racially profile and and scare people and it's not even so much I think like Greg Abbott, I don't think that it's even so much that he is racist. It's just that he does what he thinks will appeal to his base. Mm -hmm. I don't think he has any actual principles, not even racist principles. He just has, <laughs> how do I get reelected principles? Uh -huh. And, uh, but uh, uh, this is Senate bill four B is what you call the show me your papers bill. Right. What it basically says is that the cops anywhere in Texas can stop anyone that they think might have been an, an, an immigrant, in which case that means anybody with a brown skin or black skin mm -hmm. is is subject to being stopped and they're gonna have to prove their citizenship. Mm -hmm. So what if they're blind? What if they're, I'll keep thinking, what if they're blind and they don't have a driver's license? Sure. So they can't show you their driver's license. So blind people of color 
really have to look out because uh, the cops could pick them up and say, we think you're an immigrant and throw you in jail and you may be months uh, trying to figure out how to get out. And you don't even have to be blind. I mean, that's the whole, the if, you, if you're not driving, then... Um, then you might not have a, a legal ID. I, um, I mean, people, it would be very useful for people to have IDs, but that's why we have the whole controversy over the voter ID laws, because it's a huge pain to get an ID. And that's why it shouldn't be a, a block to voting. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher, and I have students that I register to vote, high school seniors that are 18, and a lot of them don't have their IDs yet. You know, they may be 18, but they're still kind of kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, they gotta, and they're in school during the time the DMV is open. Let's, <laughs> let's take this call. Good morning. Thanks for calling KNON. Hello, Good you're morning, on the air. Gene. How y'all doing? All right. Hey, uh, you know, you just read that law. There's no, in that law, there's no uh, ethnic group stated, right? I don't think there is. Right. So, can you read part of it again so we all understand it? It's just... A little bit, you just said. But you know who it's aimed at. I know who it's aimed at, Gene, but see, we ain't all looking at the whole picture. We're looking at a tree. Uh-huh. The forest in it for us pot smokers out here, even if I'm a white guy, that doesn't mean I was legally born here in America, right? Mm-hmm, right. Sure. So, the law enforcement can technically use that to stop or pull over... Anyone. Mm-hmm. That's right. Latino, black, white, in order to pull you over. Mm-hmm. They know if they pulled Randy over, looks like a white guy from uh, 1800, that they still can check his pockets and maybe find some weed or an open container <laughs> in the car. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how law enforcement works. They, they don't go out and do their job. They go fishing. You know mm-hmm. what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really valid so point. And just ask you a bunch of irrelevant questions to get you to incriminate yourself so they can get you to uh, give up your uh, uh, constitutional rights to search your vehicle and take you to jail for something that didn't even pertain to the left blinker that they pulled you over for. Yeah. Did you ever see those old Nazi, those old Nazi movies where this guy... This is, a, this is a guy from the Gestapo. He gets on the train, you know, and he says, papers, papers, yeah, please. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's I mean, what they're going to do in Texas. It is aimed at... So what I, I'm saying is, us white people sitting back here thinking we're comfortable, mm-hmm. better open both eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's... Um, yeah, I think that it is trying to target... Uh, you know, Latino people, but definitely any law enforcement official who wanted to, who just felt like harassing someone that day, they can use that. They can harass anyone they want now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it may take you, it may take several days or, or even longer to prove that you're not an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mm-hmm. ever seen that movie with uh, Cheech Moran? I was born in East LA. Uh huh. Yeah, check it out. That's what happened to him. He got on the other side of the border without his papers, and he played heck getting back in America. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for calling, and you can call yeah, us, too, at 972-647-1893. It's the voice of the people. The station just loves it when you call. I'm here with Rosie Kurtz. We've got the young and the old, and the new year is coming up. You may be getting ready to make your predictions for the new year. And since most predictions are nothing but just saying that the present trends will continue. Do we have a caller? Oh, we don't have one yet? Okay. Since most predictions are just saying that there's how the trends are going, there are already some trends underway. And here's one I've been saving to hit Rosie with because it's a serious one. Youth are saying they may not vote in 2024. And that's a trend. Because they voted like crazy for Obama. They got Obama elected. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of gone down since then. It's trending downwards. What do you think? If you predicted for 2024, would you say young people are less likely to vote? Or? Um, well, I mean, I don't have the, the survey data that you got that that statement from, but... They probably know better than than me if they've been doing the surveying. I hope it's not true. I hope that young people will vote, but um, 
I think that these days a lot of young people they they're wanting you to give them something to vote for, not mm-hmm. just something to vote against. Well, one thing, one counter trend is that younger people are getting smarter than they used to be. Mm-hmm. We have a caller. Good morning. Thanks for calling KNON. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi. Hey, haven't heard from you in a long, long time. No, I did uh, uh, You know, I, I can't figure out. Uh, I go way back. And I remember it was a town in Texas, a town in Newton, Texas, in particular. They had about four saw meals. Mm-hmm. And what was banging, they'd go get those Hispanics and all them up and put, bang them over here and put them in wood. They, 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 they about, like all that junk, all they're going to do is going to kill the jail or something. They're going to have to put them out there and, and have no room for them. Uh huh. So you you yeah. got it. You've got the perspective of years and years of watching how things develop. Do you think things yeah. are going to get better in twenty twenty four, or are they going to get worse? No, it's going to get worse. Much much worse, huh? Yeah. Well, the trend is better. You know, the uh, for most people, the uh, the economy is doing better. There's less inflation. Yeah. yeah. But there's more homelessness. Yep. So it's not been good for everybody. No, it's going to be a lot. And your, your prediction is that it's going to get worse in 2024. Yep. No matter who wins president? Yeah. <laughs> who do you think will win president? You know what? That's a, a, a 64,000 dollar question. Hard to tell. Uh-huh. Hard. It's going to be close, huh? Okay. Yeah, Appreciate your appreciate your point of view, brother. Okay, you want to say anything else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. You can call us too at nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three. Most of the trends I think are are up. I think most people are the. Things would were, were going better. I think 2023 was better than 2022, and uh, and I think that most people think that things are going to look better in 2023. But I don't, I don't know. We got the highest stock market that we've ever had. The the uh, S and P index went over four thousand seven hundred just in the last two weeks, and it's still rising. Who benefits when the stock market is high? Rich people. <laughs> It gets higher. They get more and more money. Mm-hmm. But the stock market is a leading indicator for the overall uh, for the overall economy. Real wages are going up now. Real wages are wages after inflation, and real wages were going down when the inflation was so high. Mm-hmm. But now they're actually in in the black. The people's wages increases are a little bit more than inflation. So Other people's, you're not coming teachers. out a little bit. <laughs> not teachers in Texas. Oh no, <laughs> T- teachers in Texas took it on the chin in this legislature, didn't they? Yeah, but it was worth it. It's worth the fight. Absolutely. Well, the fight over vouchers. Absolutely. Um, I'm a member of um, AFT uh, Alliance AFT Local 2260, representing teachers and support staff in Dallas ISD. And I know that my state union, Texas AFT, was very clear throughout all the special sessions that we were not willing to uh, sac- uh, make the deal of teacher raises for vouchers. We, mm-hmm. Vouchers were no deal. Well, Pre- Governor Abbott tried to make the idea of teacher raises, uh, you had to accept vouchers. You had to accept money for private and religious schools mm-hmm. in order to get a raise. Right. And the teacher said, you ain't conning us like that. No. We're no. not going to sell out the public school system. And uh, and you actually won on that issue. Yeah. However, you didn't get a raise. That is true. And they've got all <laughs> this money that's just sitting there, and there's still no raises. And the governor didn't, didn't win. He lost. He's angry. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's still no raises for yeah. the teachers. The However, because of the vote... The retired teachers, retired school employees, got a little bump on their pensions. Yeah. And that was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then we, we were scared for a minute because it seemed like they weren't going to get it because of legal challenges. But I believe that, um, that we are going to get it 
I mean, well, not me. I'm not retiring for another 35 years, but uh, the retirees, I believe, are going to get their cola now. Yeah, they will. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yeah, we're back on the workers' beat. Bonnie ain't here today, and we got Rosie Kurtz sitting in. Rosie's the co-chair of the Young Active Labor Leaders and a high school teacher. And I have been saying that you could get the opinions of the old people, that's me, and the young people, that's her. And if you call 972-647-1893. Americans are slightly shorter than they used to be. Did you know that? And, and they are heavier. They're more obese. And they don't live as long. They're dying sooner. Those are some trends that are going on. Also, I saw this this week in the news. Satisfaction with health care has decreased since 2010. Do you think that we're getting shorter and fatter and less satisfied and living long, shorter lives is all because we've got a lousy health care system? That would certainly have something to do with it, especially the living shorter lives. You know, the the key isn't even just, you know, being able to get treated when you get sick. It's preventative medicine because everything is so expensive in healthcare. Um, the fact that then, then people don't go get, go get checkups and they don't do anything preventative, so they don't catch things till they're already sick. or and They have to go to the emergency room. Yeah. And especially now because... I think it's like 700,000 or so Texans have lost their Medicaid mm-hmm. since, uh, since the Medicaid special provisions from the pandemic ran out. And uh, Texans did very, very little to help people keep their Medicaid. And so consequently, they fell off the rolls. And they're the ones you're going to meet if you ever have to go to the emergency room and you have to wait and wait and wait and wait because all those other people are in there because the government of Texas kept them from getting their Medicaid. And they did not expand Medicaid as they could have done and could have done any year since 2010. Mm -hmm. And they have always not done it just in a spiteful manner because they could have gotten a lot of free federal money for expanding Medicaid. They wouldn't do it. Texans get less healthy, and uh, we, you'll you'll meet them when you go to the emergency room. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully you won't have to go to the emergency room in 2024. Maybe it'll be a, a really good year for you. <laughs> yeah, I've only been to the emergency room once. <laughs> well, wait till you get older. I go all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I go every now and then. Yeah. Either with my heart problem or, or cancer or something else. Well, I hope that healthcare becomes something that more candidates, I mean, especially, you know, I feel like the concept of universal healthcare is becoming not even a radical concept anymore. Any any reasonable person backs universal healthcare. Yeah, but they ain't got it. No, we ain't got it. And um, I was, it's interesting, it's one of the... Uh, one of the differences that I've seen between the uh, the primary candidates for Senate, Roland Gutierrez and Colin Olved, one of the uh, the only differences I've been able to find in their positions is that uh, Gutierrez backs universal health care and Olved doesn't. And um, I think I hope that you know Olved's a Dallas guy. I hope that he reconsiders that because I think that I know that I've seen online on the Mothers Against Greg Abbott Facebook group there was a discussion about that and a bunch of people when they when they heard that. Gutierrez back to universal health care and all that didn't, they were all saying, well, I guess I'll vote for Gutierrez then. So mm-hmm. I want both of them to back it. <laughs> Do you think a lot of the young people are, are, really, are more interested in politics than they used to be? <clears throat> yeah, I think that pe- young people do care about politics. I think that sometimes the, um, the older people don't realize it not so much you, because the young people are interested in the same politics that you're interested in, Gene. But um, some of the other uh, Democratic politicians, they, they're saying young people aren't involved. But it's because they're not involved in the same areas that, uh, that they're used to, that the politicians are used to. We are involved in labor, you know. And, um, and we're not, we care about different things than they expected. We care about labor rights, and they got to pay attention and, and catch up. Mm-hmm. Here's another trend. In 2023, we had more strikes than we've had for Hell decades. Yeah. 
Uh, there were nearly 400 strikes in 2023. Wow. Do you think that that trend will continue? There'll be more strikes in 2024? I hope so. I, I don't know off the top of my head what all contracts, big contracts, might be up for mm-hmm. for renegotiation. Well, big and little. Big and little. We have mm-hmm. uh, at least two of our contracts in my local are coming mm-hmm. up in 2024. Great. Uh, I'm in UAW Local 848, mm-hmm. and we're getting ready. We're getting ready for a struggle. And, you know, UAW knows how to do a strike. Now we know that, so. Yeah. <laughs> we can be real. UAW people are standing about three inches taller than we used to. Absolutely. Since uh, since the strike. Good morning. Thanks for calling KNON. Thanks for waiting. Good morning, Gene. Hi. This is Brian Dallas. Uh, go ahead. Is my call coming in clear? Yeah, everything is clear. Millions of people are listening to you. <laughs> well, to everybody and you and the lady and the Leon and everybody, the crew, that I say Merry Christmas and the best wishes for everybody in the state of Texas and our whole country. Uh-huh. God, we better keep God bless America in it and, and God we trust. Okay, do you think you things are going to be better next year? 2024, or do you think they're going to be worse? Uh, I would say it's going to be sort up to the people that are elected if they can do things. You know, the leaders that lead the country in any country, mm-hmm. I think why people do elections, they get tired of a president. And they say, well, this president or this leader, even if it's just a big company, you know, the the uh, shareholders, they vote them out. Mm-hmm. But, um, as far as it getting better, though, um, I think people better get in church and they better pray. Yeah. Um, think prayer is the, is the answer? Um, for me, it is. I know. Bonnie's not here, but I'm I'm speaking for Bonnie. I want to tell you, voting is the answer. Is what she says. Yeah, yeah. I I say it's getting organized. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on, as we all know. Yeah. That's why. That's why your phone's. Speaking of a lot going on, there's a bunch of people waiting to talk. So go ahead and wind up what you want to say. Okay, I was going to ask you. Thank you, Gene. Is um, this work week they announced? Most of the leaders in throughout the United States announced that on a survey through the big three that they want to do a shift. They want to continue to keep mainly on their lot is combustion engines still and hybrids, not many electric. Uh-huh. And I was going to ask you, um, since this is kind of be uh, your forte, what do you think is causing that? Is it because the EV set in the mud? Have you moved the price? Um, you know, is, is it our infrastructure? Uh, is it the insurance rates on the parts? Uh, the insurance to, to insure these cars? I've heard that the uh, claims that come in, once again, I was telling you this the other day, is that the insurance industries, the big ones, they're, they're complaining, the guys that run these uh, big auto insurance companies are saying the claims that are coming in from the body shops and the dealerships on these parts are extremely expensive. One guy was saying that he bought a, I think it was a, uh, it was one of these EBs, one of the higher name brand ones, and uh, $1,000 to do some repairs on it, just something minor. Um, Why would the dealerships say, you know, they're backing away from it, you know, they're, you know, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, they're all saying, hey, hold on a minute. Our we do better bottom line every quarter, every month. So they said, they got to say a certain amount of use that we want. We're looking at the big picture now. We're looking at the bottom line where it's, it's starting to look, you know, toward. You okay, know, you, better, you better wind it up now. Are you, just, yeah. just tell us, are you for the, the new EVs or are you against them? Um, I think they would be okay. Okay, we've got to go now. we got to get some more people on. Thanks a lot. Good morning. Thanks for calling KNOM. Thanks for waiting so long. Good morning. Hi. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the lady said something that was real profound. She said the young people are trying to find something to vote for mm-hmm. than something to vote against. But the reality of what young people need to understand 
is that may not necessarily be the case. You have to vote for the lesser of two evils sometimes because the greater of two evils is what it is. Mm -hmm. And the gentleman was talking about homelessness. Well, if you were to vote Trump back in, when Trump was in, he shut down all the programs for homelessness. He shut down... So did Reagan. I beg pardon? So did Reagan, right? Yeah. So when you vote that Republican in, you're going to get what Republicans do. They are consistent. And for you, you can't say... Well, you can't say it, but it's not uh, expedient and beneficial for you to say, I'm not going to vote because I don't like either candidate, you're going to have to vote for somebody. And that's just the reality of it. I understand the context, and I understand you know, the concept. But in reality, you have to vote for one of the two. Mm-hmm. And so you, but you, you, if you don't vote, I don't care what other people say who don't understand what this concept, but this uh, analogy is, if, if one, vote, one no vote is two votes for the other person that does vote. <laughs> okay. He had to jump in because Bonnie's not here. That makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense, and I'm sure Bonnie would agree with you if she had been here. When I talk about um, young people voting for something, I mean, I think that, I mean, to be clear, I definitely am going to vote. Um, And I I don't, I'm not uh, encouraging this mindset of no voting unless you have something to vote for. I think that if we have to vote for the lesser of two evils, then we will. Personally, I'd say that what I'm going to be voting for rather than just voting against, I'm going to be voting for a strong NLRB, National Labor Relations Bureau, because that's been strong under Biden and that's really made a difference in the labor movement. It's It's been essential to have a, a good, strong NLRB. So I'm not just voting against Trump, I'm voting for a strong NLRB and okay. I hope that other young people will join me. But I do think that there should be, um, that Yes, young people do need to understand that, and and other people, too. It's not just young people that do this, but I think that also um, what we need to say is you got like young people got to understand that sometimes you got to vote for the lesser two evils, okay, but also the politicians got to understand that you got to give us something to vote for. Like, both people got to understand each other, and and we won't get anywhere if if both people just say, well, I'm just going to lecture people until they see my way. You know, mm-hmm. you both got to see each other's ways and realize that each other has good points because, yes, we need to vote for the lesser two evils and keep, you know, fascism out of office as much as possible. <laughs> but we also, if we want real progress, if we ever want to progress beyond just keeping the fascists at bay, then we also have to find something to vote for. Mm-hmm. You said you mentioned the National Labor Relations Board. They, the Fort Worth National Labor Relations Board secured a settlement this past week requiring the Dallas Morning News to reimburse increased health insurance premium costs to more than 100 employees. There you go. <laughs> so they got some money back because the, co- the company didn't do right by them, and the labor board said they had to pay it up. Mm-hmm. So. I've seen a few small-time instances of that around the Metroplex here. Um, of course, they organized. The journalists at the Morning News and also the journalists at the Startlegram uh, organized with the CWA, Communication Workers of America, the News Guild. It's called TNG, the News mm-hmm. Guild. And uh, journalists all around the country are organizing with, with the Communication Workers of America, which is a great thing. And they got, they got a settlement. They also had some problems because uh, the com- the company Morning News laid off this guy, who Tired, said <laughs> he said no no they uh, they suspended him. Oh okay. Uh, he said quit, yeah. that leaders of Dallas County would like to see more overview oversight of the Dallas police, and uh, and so the Morning News reported it, and then they came back with a retraction months later, mm-hmm. and then they suspended the guy. Apparently that reporter had conflict with John Crusoe, I guess, and Crusoe started saying, I didn't say the things he said he said. Yeah, but it, but, uh, it appeared in the Washington Post, and they explained it, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the union is saying that he was treated unfairly, and they're going to they're gonna try to get his job back, I guess, mm-hmm. if he wants his job back. I he think got, I read that he already moved out of state, but... He quit. He yeah. quit after he was suspended without pay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and basically, he said that the company or that the Dallas Morning News is uh, falling in line 
with uh, the powers that be instead of telling the truth. I mean, that kind of tracks with the uh, the employee that got fired not long ago from the Dallas Morning News because of a tweet that was considered, you know, disrespectful to Mayor Eric Johnson. You know, they uh-huh. fired her. That's, that kind of falls in line with this narrative of giving in to the powers that be. I think that she should get uh, she should get some fair treatment, too. Absolutely, and I think and that they still have that, a grievance. Now that they have a union, they've, they've got a chance. Yeah. To get fair treatment. You know, I went to the uh, the National International Labor Nerds Conference um, in 2022, and the president of the News Guild spoke there, and, and Dallas Morning News got a specific shout-out in his speech uh, mm-hmm. because he was saying that Dallas Morning News coined the term right to work, which is an awful phrase. Um, and uh, and he said, that's a union paper now. And I know. We all we, cheered. We have to take a break. We'll be right back. This is still rosy. Jean stepped out for just a sec, so I have been um, told to improv this as a first-time guest. Um, So, let's see. I guess that I can talk about the youth more, since that's what he brought me here for. Um, My group is called Young Active Labor Leaders. We have a DFW chapter, and um, we've got chapters around Texas. We have a statewide conference every couple of years, and now we have a caller to save me. Here we go. Hello. How are you guys doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Is Mr. Dean online? He is not here at the moment. He stepped out for a second. He should be back any minute. He just stranded me here. Bless your little heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he made a comment about uh, eating uh, black-eyed peas, mm-hmm. Molly. Well, that's one I like the, the most around Christmas. You know why? It's the only thing I have to unwrap. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing you have to unwrap? <laughs> it's the only thing that I have to unwrap. But you don't I, got I gifts to unwrap? I thought it was... I thought it was black-eyed peas and hen hogs, and then you have to eat, like, your 12 grapes on... On New Year's, I'm confused. Or is that on New Year's Day? Yeah, the black-eyed peas is you're supposed to eat New Year's Day. And uh, and then I believe the grapes you're supposed to eat at midnight. And I don't know about the tamales. I mean, I support eating tamales all the time. But Amen, sister. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> we eat them day in and day out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, I hear you. So, but anyway, I just want to wish you guys a merry Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's and thanks for clearing for uh, that information about the holiday uh, yummy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for calling in. Okay. No problem. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. We got uh, a new round of leadership for our state y'all chapter, and they've been planning a lot for um, go doing a statewide tour around the uh, probably you know over the course of 2024 so I hope that's one way 2024 will get better we're going to start building up young active labor leaders all around the state and Jean's back hooray <laughs> you were doing great go ahead no you you go <laughs> <laughs> did you I, talk about Palestine yet I have not talked about Palestine yet let me give the phone number 972-647-1893 you've told me earlier that a lot of young people are concerned about what's going on overseas yeah absolutely I think that um, if you look at turnout at these uh, Palestine protests I mean there's a reason people have been talking about colleges a lot universities is because they are there's a lot of young people at the universities um, protesting you know the the genocide happening in in Palestine Um, genocide that's a pretty powerful word you think that's what that's how you characterize what's happening? I think probably the best characterization might be ethnic cleansing, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, because ethnic cleansing doesn't necessarily even have to mean killing everyone. It's killing or driving them out. <laughs> how many have they killed? I think it's getting near twenty thousand. No, now. it's over twenty thousand. Oh, is it over twenty thousand? It's over twenty thousand killed, over fifty thousand wounded, and over a million displaced. In other words, had to leave their homes. Yeah. Uh, So they're running around looking for a place to get a tent or something Mm -hmm. or to try to get out of the country. And uh, starvation is now a big problem and disease Mm -hmm. because they don't have the hospitals and the doctors and uh, any way to take care of themselves and they're Mm -hmm. not getting good, good, clean water. So 
starvation, disease, uh, and displacement, and then wounded, and then death. Yep. So that's a lot going on, and you're saying that this is a big concern for younger people, right? I think the young younger people are, um, they don't, I feel like we, we don't have as much um, loyalty to traditions. You know, Israel has always been a strong ally of the United States, and so I think there's a lot of older politicians that are like, well, Israel's always been our ally, so we got to support Israel because they're our ally. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... Um, we don't have as many ties in the in Gen Z to that kind of tradition. We mm. say, well, I don't care what they've we've been in the past to them. If they're doing something wrong now, we're going to call them out for doing it wrong now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's it's harder and harder to justify the amount of civilian casualties. You know, um, that's because you're not an oil company. If you were an oil right. company, you would say that this is all very rational and makes all the sense in the world. Because the oil companies are continuing to rake in the dough from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And uh, Israel is part of the U.S. military establishment in the Middle East. So that's why they're continuing to spend a lot of our tax money to, uh, to underwrite the uh, murder that's going on. Yeah. I think that one thing, you know, I got my start in politics in the anti-war movement. That was my first foray into politics. Which, and, which war? Um, it was, so I was nine years old when September 11th happened, and that was when my mom was a big volunteer at the Dallas Peace Center, now the Dallas Peace and Justice Center. And so we started going to Don't Invade Afghanistan protests in 2001, October, and, and Don't Invade there. Iraq protests after there. that. It was at the Kennedy Memorial. Which one? We also went to City Hall every Monday. <laughs> that was like my tradition in fourth through sixth grade is my mom picks us up to school mm -hmm. on Monday and takes us to City Hall to, to protest the Iraq War. <laughs> so you've always been an anti-war activist. Yeah, and I, you know what's funny is, I like to say this, is that I remember, you know, obviously as a nine or ten year old, I didn't really understand the politics of the invasion of Afghanistan but I remember being a, a nine or ten year old and thinking why are we if we're trying to get Osama bin Laden why are we just you know bombing the whole country instead of sending in specific people to go and hunt down Osama bin Laden and I figured there was some reason I didn't understand because I was nine years old and then when we did find Osama bin Laden it was basically from doing exactly that and I was like wow I guess that a uh, nine-year-old Rosie was a better military strategist than the <laughs> than all the bush team um and you know similarly right now when i hear about um people saying that that hamas is to blame for the all the civilian casualties because they use their people as human shields and so on and they 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 might that's maybe true but then i think well then then that then it should work you know if you if you have a bunch of civilians being used as human shields the solution isn't to kill them anyway the solution is dang they got us mm -hmm. they're using innocent people as human shields we got to find another way around it mm -hmm. you know like you know the you got to say wow that was an evil genius move on their part now find a way to to get to them without destroying the human shields you know mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, maybe I am, again, a better military strategist than Israel, or maybe I'll be proven wrong. Um, well, you weren't <laughs> proven wrong in Afghanistan. I was not. Turned out it was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you said when you were nine years old. This is a terrible idea. Yeah. And they just didn't listen. 972-647-1893. You don't have to listen to our opinions. You can bring your own and put them in the air in front of millions of people that are listening to KNON right at this <laughs> moment. And not only that, but Pierre podcasts these things. And so you can go to KNON.org and listen to previous uh, broadcasts as well as the Workers Beat Extra podcasts which I do every week, and Pierre puts them on uh, on the podcasting network. And so you can hear stuff, you can hear our opinions anytime. If you want to hear yours, though, you're going to have to call 972-647-1893, and you're going to have to do it in the next nine minutes. So uh, on, this, uh, on the foreign affairs business, did you ever settle on a reason for why the United States does some of these things, like the invasion of Afghanistan, the invasion of Iraq, the invasion of, of Ukraine, the invasion of, of Palestine? 
all of those things? You ever put anything together? <laughs> um, I mean, I think that you probably said it in terms of oil. Uh, that's probably the answer. That's certainly the answer for the Iraq invasion. Um, I think that also it's just kind of maintaining power. They like to make sure regimes are in power that will respect them. That's why they overthrow regimes that don't. <laughs> that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we try to maintain our grip and our influence and our oil. That's that's what we got to <laughs> do. Keep our oil going, huh? Yep. Let me tell you about Glenn Simmons. I'm changing the subject. Glenn Simmons, an African-American man in Oklahoma, my home state. He was convicted of murder and put in prison 48 years ago. And then last week found not guilty. <laughs> Glenn Simmons. Congratulations to Brother Simmons. I hope you can enjoy the rest of your life and, and not be permanently scarred from 48 years in prison for a murder that you did not commit. But uh, you're a, a, a study for all of us and we're all trying to learn from you. We're learning from the death of Elijah McCain, the EMTs that uh, gave him ketamine when they probably shouldn't have were convicted of wrongful homicide in Colorado as this last week. And uh, so some, there's some justice in the world. Uh, the mayor of Boston has apologized to the two African-American men who were wrongfully accused of murder in 1989. And that's good. Uh, a Mesquite police officer shot Peyton Lawrence dead for making furtive attempts and refusing to stop moving his car. So we'll see how that turns out. It just mm. We just found out last week that this officer had, uh, had done that. What do you think? Does racism come up a lot in conversations with young people? Yeah, and I think that um, there's a big intersection between labor and the, uh, and structural racism in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of, because of, you know, being in a overall racist system in the United States, we see, you know, unemployment's higher among people of color, wages are lower among people of color, and um, and the kinds of jobs that they get are, are tend to be different, what's mm-hmm. available to them. And, of course, generational wealth and, and connections and networking helps propel uh, white people to uh, higher stations. And so I think that people of color being in unions and organizing and doing labor organizing might be a big part of changing that. And, mm-hmm. and so the unions stand up, up against racism? Some do. <laughs> not, all, not consistently, huh? I, I don't think they um, target it as much as they could. Mine does. Good. Good. Mine does. The United Auto Workers... Back in 1935, when it was started, most unions were craft unions at that time. In other words, you had to know the craft, and that was mostly skilled workers, and those skilled workers tended to be the sons of, not the daughters, just the sons of people who had already had those skills. So the craft unions were nearly all completely white, and they were the highest paid workers, and they were the most skillful workers, and they were the only ones that had unions, just about. There was some some exceptions. The mine workers was an exception. But then the auto workers started, and they said, we're going to organize everybody. And we don't care what sex they are. We don't care what gender they are. We don't care where they come from. We don't care what kind of accent they have, what color is their skin, uh, whether or not they have tooth decay or anything else, we're going to organize everybody. Mm -hmm. And that was a big change in the United States that began in 1935 with my union, the United Auto Workers of America. So good for them. In my my union, they've always stood up against racism. In fact, my union was the one that funded Dr. Martin Luther King more than anybody else. Yeah, you know, the big march in 1963, guess who who paid for that? I'm going to go ahead and guess UAW. (laughs) Well, it was, most of it was UAW. I actually recall when I, um, when we went to look at the the display on the Poor People's Campaign that was at JF, at the um, Sixth Form Museum last Mm -hmm. winter, there was, um, 
there was I noticed lots of pictures of people with UAW signs in some of the old photos that they have. We're, we're kind of proud now. Yeah, we're standing proud now. We weren't so proud ten years ago. I mean, <laughs> really, up until this past year, uh, the UAW was just kind of circling the drain. But now we really, we really look like we were really smart. Oh yeah. <laughs> And I think that also, like, if someone feels like their union or that the labor movement isn't isn't doing enough against racism, then you know you gotta you gotta be the change. Just like we say, if you you gotta vote to if you want to see change, then if you don't feel like the union's doing enough, the solution yeah. isn't you know forget the union. It's get involved. It's doing both. Mm-hmm. It's organizing and voting. Uh, I speak up all the time for organizing. Bonnie speaks up all the time for voting. Here's what happened in this past week. You talked about structural racism. Mm -hmm. There's some structural racism going on in Washington, D.C. because there's a group called the Minority Business Development Agency housed within the Department of Commerce. It's one of several federal programs that has the fundamental assumption that certain racial and ethnic groups are inherently disadvantaged, which is absolutely true. But... The Republicans are trying to say, no, that's not true. And they're trying to undermine these uh, organizations like the Minority Business Development Agency. And that's what's going on now. It was in the Washington Post, and that's why I happened to notice it. But that's structural racism. We also talk a lot about here on KNON, we've talked a lot about environmental racism, which is very definitely part of structural racism. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very glad to hear that this is a major concern for the young active labor leaders. Do people join young active labor leaders and how do they do that? So we are pretty, we want to make sure that uh, that y'all is accessible to everyone. So we're pretty uh, lenient with that kind of, with who can join and and everything. You you can join if you are older. Generally, we, y'all is meant to be for people 40 and under. Mm -hmm. Um, We would probably say you can't um, be the chairs or the elected leaders if you're over 40. You don't check IDs. Yeah, you don't check IDs, but we want to make sure that it is youth-led. So we keep our leadership under 40, but anyone's allowed to participate and come to our actions. Um, We do, you know, politely ask if people are willing to donate. We try to do like $5 a month, um, nothing major. Um, and we should have a uh, website up and running soon. <laughs> it's a, we, we had lost uh, access to our website for a while, and we finally just gained it back. Well, so we're trying to update got, it with there. you got 20 seconds now. How, how do people join? Is there a phone number? Or we have what? a Facebook group, um, Y'all DFW, all capitals, Y-A-L-L space DFW. Okay. So that might be the best way to get in touch with us right now. On Facebook, on the Facebook Y'all group. hyphen mm-hmm. DFW. No, not a hyphen, just Y'all space DFW. Y'all space DFW. <laughs> Okay, we want you, but we got to get out of the way now for some of the best music in North Texas. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we are going to have the Magic Time Warp show start really soon, so good night, Gene, and...